0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Remarkable Results Radio from the Aftermarket Radio Network. Carm Capriato here, where our goal is always to advance the aftermarket. We do cutting-edge, top-of-the-line, trending topics. Uh, what better to come here to listen to Chris Lawson and I speak about the technician shortage or finding great technicians? However it all rolls up, I have Chris Lawson from technicianfind.com, the founder-owner of Technician Find. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Carm. It's uh, an honor to be here. I've been listening to you in the car for years. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Every time you do listen, I sense a feeling in the force, so I <laughs> I appreciate that. I thank you. Chris has got a lot of good stuff, we spent some great time together and he knows his stuff. He's got a great concept and a great company. And I said, look at you've got we've got too much to talk about. Let's just do it in two parts. So um, you are here being honored with part one. We're gonna cover polishing your shop's online presence to attract high culture hires. I love that. Hey, thanks to our sponsor, NAPA, for providing you this episode. How does NAPA support your auto care center through national marketing? Well, NAPA will build upon the already successful Know How for All campaign and promote auto care offering and services to the Do It For Me customer with support through sales driver promotions, optimized targeted media that give your repair facility an online presence on NAPA Online. Now, if you're interested... In partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa Know How for All national marketing campaign, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Enjoy. You started this thing in like 2017, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. What was to be, to morph into technician find did start in 2017. Did a presentation for uh, 10 auto repair shop owners on social media. And as a result of that, ended up getting nine of those 10 shop owners as clients. And it completely changed the uh, trajectory of my business. Uh, started out working with social media and it morphed into what technicians in, in the shop morphed into what uh, was really needed. And that was finding tax.
0: I find that close rate to be astonishing, a 90% close rate. <laughs> you rarely make a presentation to 10 people and maybe get one client. It was
1: over six months. So, you know, to be fair, it took a while for some of them, but... Uh, It was a really interesting uh, presentation. It's the first time I actually ever uh, spoke to shop owners, and uh, it was a steep learning curve. Well, I figured out exactly, I mean, we knew what social media was all about, but I had to figure out exactly what the the pain points were, the problems, the, the situation that I could add the most value for.
0: So in this part one, polishing your shop's online presence and attracting high culture hires, we're all guilty of making a bad hire.
1: Yeah, bad hires are very expensive. If you look at Brad Smart's work that he's done on top grading, in some companies, a bad hire can cost a million dollars. Bad hires, you really want to put the effort in on the front end because on the back end, it's just going to cost you a lot of time, a lot of effort. And if they're really bad, then they end up breaking things while they're in your shop. So uh, it's just a bad
0: situation all the way around. I think you broke the curve. I think what you're really saying to me is that you got to have a quality candidate. You got to actually qualify You've got to have a process that qualifies so that you're not getting ghosting that somebody's going to come on board, fit like a glove and stick around. Yeah, absolutely. I think it all starts
1: with mindset. I like to start everything with mindset because if you get the mindset right, then you can make a lot of errors and you can still end up with the result that you want. So the mindset that you have to have when you're getting into hiring is I care and I want my employees lives to work inside and outside of the shop. The shops that I work with that have the best success, that's the mindset that they go into this whole situation with. It's what gets communicated through the ads. It's what gets communicated through social media. And the very best shops, what ends up happening is you end up getting a waiting list. You have people calling you and saying, hey, do you have any openings? And that's what happens when you really build a culture that people want to be a part of. And that's really important.
0: What I'm hearing you say is this isn't an app. And there's no easy button to do this. I mean, if you're listening to find, well, oh, I'm going to you know, listen to learn just one thing. No, we're actually asking you to change as a person, right?
1: Yeah. Well, oh, there are some strategies and, and I'll share some of those strategies. But what I find is that uh, all the shops that I've worked with up to this point, they typically fall into one of three categories. One is they know that they have a shop culture. It's clearly defined and they're able to communicate it. The second one, and by the way, that's the smallest percentage or fall into that first category. The second category are shops that they know they have a shop culture, but they really don't know how to communicate it to the public. And then there's the third, which is by far and away the most, the most shops that I talk with is they don't think they have a culture. You know, for those shops that fit into the the third category, let me just tell you, you do have a culture. You do. uh, You just haven't defined it yet. And there are processes that you can go through to figure out what your culture is and how to communicate it in the best way.
0: So interesting. Uh, They don't think they have a culture. You see that a lot?
1: Oh, yeah. And I think what ends up happening is when I walk them through a process, because when we do onboardings, we walk through a process, I ask about 60 questions and I ask everything about the shop. The reality is every shop has a culture. And I always think about, I'm always reminded of the story of Schlitzbeer.
0: You remember Schlitz beer, the beer
1: that made Milwaukee?
0: Yeah, I did. And I liked Schlitz beer back when in the day when I was learning how to drink beer.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, you know, the story about how they pulled themselves out of a really tough jam is really interesting. Back in the early 1900s, what ends up happening is they lost market share tremendously. They were down to eighth. And then, you know, depending on what you read, all the way down to 15th in market share in terms of brewers in America. So they brought in Claude Hopkins, who is a really hot shot. He was an ad man, you know, prior to the Mad Men phenomenon. He went in and he was really sharp. What he liked to do is he'd like to go in He liked to interview all of the customers. He liked to know the market. He liked to know the business. And they ended up flying him out touring their brewery. And one of the things that he did was he looked at everything. And they showed him the plate glass rooms where they used to cool the beer and there was filtered air that came through. So there were no impurities that came through in the beer and kept the beer pure. They showed him the 4,000-foot artesian wells that they dug to make sure that there was pure water, even though they were on the banks of Lake Michigan. And at that time, it was actually clean, pure water. But they drilled 4,000 feet down so that they could get really pure water. They showed him the mother yeast cell that took 1,200 experiments in order to get this uh, yeast cell that provided the most robust flavor. And after all of this, he looked at him and he said, this is amazing. Why don't you just tell people what you do? And they said to him, well, all breweries do this. And he said, but if you can tell people that you do this and you're the first to tell them, then it's going to change the entire trajectory of your marketing. And it's going to really show people how hard you work in order to make beer pure. Because at that time, everybody was screaming about making beer pure. So what he did was he developed a campaign and all he did was tell the story about what all of these breweries did, but he told it in the name of Schlitz. And they ended up going from, you know, eighth all the way up to number one in the next six months after that campaign got launched.
0: It's a brilliant story. Thank you for sharing, because I did not know that. But the other thing about it, marketing companies work with the story brand, if you will. Tell us, we need to tell the story of who you are. If someone has gone through that, from a marketing perspective, then they've got the building blocks for recruiting incredible technicians.
1: Absolutely. And that's the point. The point is, even though you haven't done anything extraordinary, if you take the combination of all the things you do offer, and, and one of the things that we do is we sit down and we, uh, like I said, we ask a bunch of questions. I tell shops that, uh, you know, that aren't working with us And I'm just, they're asking me questions about this. I say, why don't you sit down with your leadership team or sit down by yourself with a a legal pad and write down everything that you offer? Because there'll be a combination of the things that you offer. And that's the feature. If you want to bring it back to marketing, the feature is what you offer. The benefit is what that benefit is going to be to the technician. There are things like, Hey, we don't micromanage. So if you don't micromanage, Hey, that's a great thing to, to say in the ad. No drama. If you don't allow any drama, you know, no wrench throwers, no prima donnas, none of that. That's something that you can you can put into an ad. If you like to learn, if you place a premium on learning, if you pay for ASE certifications, all of these things are important, and you can put that into the ad. And if you put it into the ad as a feature that you offer, and then you tie that to the benefit for the technician. So if you say, if you pay for training, what is the benefit? Well, the benefit is we make you more valuable in the industry. When you put those two things together, now it becomes very powerful and you're telling a story you're inviting, you know, to come back to story brand, you're inviting the technician into a story about your shop, where they're the hero and how you're going to help them make their life work better. That's compelling.
0: Is this done through social media? Is it done at the time of interview? I mean, where does all of this really important Uh, I hate to use the word stuff, but it is there, if you will, um, tactics along the way to do a good hire. When do we introduce all of this? Right
1: away. Uh, You know, the old saying, you never get a second chance to make a good first impression. Yeah, That's really what we're talking about. Really, it starts as soon as someone becomes aware of you. And I think a lot about, uh, you know, Happy Days has been in the news, particularly Fonzie, you know, Henry Winkler. Remember Happy Days? If
0: I say no, then people know I'm lying, but
1: yes. (laughs) It's interesting because they're they're coming through a whole um, series of honors for uh, Henry Winkler for being Fonzie. He was named by TV Guide as one of the 50 most memorable and influential characters on television of all time. And the story behind how he got that role was really, really interesting. He went into the role and as he tells the story, he says... I was this short Jewish kid and I was applying for this role that's supposed to be a tall Italian guy. And uh, he says, to make it even worse is I had this big problem because Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees was the lead character that they really were looking at to fill this slot. So he went in and he knew that he had to do something different. And what he did was he said, I am not going to do what all the traditional tough guys do. I'm not going to chew gum. I'm not going to roll a pack of cigarettes up in my t-shirt and I'm not going to comb my hair. And so he went in and all those things are basically in the script. That's what they want him to do. And so he walks up to the mirror and he does that thing where he goes, Hey, he goes up like he's going to comb his hair. And then he says, no, I don't need to comb my hair. It's perfect. That sealed it. What ended up happening is he went from a bit part. That was just supposed to be a tiny bit part. He was one of only two characters that actually was in all 255 episodes of that uh, TV show. He became an icon. He became famous, world famous, because he was able to step out and he was able to be different and communicate that.
0: Hey, it's no secret. We're facing a technician shortage and Napa Auto Care has a solution with the Napa Auto Care Apprentice Program. The program was pioneered by one of our own. Pete McNeil and Master Technician Jeg Sorensen from McNeil's Auto Care in Sandy, Utah, realized that the problem of not having technicians available for hire was not going to solve itself and decided to take action and look at a different audience of individuals available for hire. A focus was put on younger individuals with the right passion, desire, and attitude to work in the automotive repair industry. Jake and Pete sought after these individuals and developed a technician apprentice program to give them the training needed to become a successful technician in today's world. The NAPA Auto Care Apprentice Program includes a comprehensive nine-stage curriculum that includes a variety of types of training, and they are classroom training videos exclusive to the apprentice program. Now, these videos provide in-depth training from a successful master technician. Also, Autotech classes with instructor-led courses offered through NAPA Autotech and Autotech e-learning. This web-based e-learning is designed to target specific training topics. And finally, hands-on learning. The apprentice will apply the skills gained from the classroom training videos, Autotech instructor-led training, and Autotech e-learnings in the shop with the guidance of a mentor. The apprentice program curriculum is competency-based, meaning an apprentice can move through each stage at a pace that best suits them. Most apprentices complete the program within two years. Upon completion, apprentices will have earned ASC G1, A4, A5, and AC certifications, adding industry validation to the skills an apprentice acquires. Look, having an apprentice in your shop will ultimately benefit your bottom line as they advance through the program. And in most cases, as the apprentice develops their skill set producing billable hours, you'll begin to see a growth in your gross profit by stage five. One of the largest barriers to entry for individuals looking to enter the automotive repair industry is the cost of tools. Now, keep your apprentice motivated with an apprentice toolkit. Now, Napa Auto Care has worked with our supplying partners to offer an exclusive comprehensive tool set, including a four-drawer tool card for all registered apprentices. Hey, to learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. You know, Chris, I love what you just described. I mean, you told us the Schlitz story. You're telling us the Henry Winkler story. You're telling us stories. And if I'm a shop owner... Say I'm in it 10 years. I mean, I've got a legacy to start. I went to say technical college, I bumped into a buddy, you know, we put up this trailer in the back of my house and, you know, we started our first shop and there was no room. And then we, I mean, those are stories that I think are, that show the character of the individual to a tech, well, look at what we have now, look at how hard we work. I mean, there's some substance to my life and in my story. I want to work for somebody like that. And to your point, listen, you're picking up these great ideas from Chris. And I love where you're taking this first part with us, Chris. Be proud of your story. Be proud of your legacy. And if you can tie that up into mission, vision, values, and your culture, because you're going to, well, we don't have a culture. Yes, you do. And sometimes it doesn't take much for someone to realize that they actually do. Just ask your people. That's right. Yeah, asking your
1: people. Is a really big one, and the things that you do, you know, I can give you some examples of um, some really powerful culture building uh, aspects that I've seen. You know, one of them is, uh, you know, fantastic. It's, uh, you know, a friend of both of ours, you know, Sean Gilfillan over at Automotive Magic. He has got a lot of things. He just he does a phenomenal job with his team. One of the things he does is um, he is actually uh, they listen to books together, so they have an Audible subscription. And if you listen and you write up a little bit of a paragraph about what uh, you got out of the book, then he will refund your uh, Audible subscription. So he pays for the Audible subscription. He's also done things like purchasing Dave Ramsey's Smart Dollar Program for the entire team. And that's fantastic. I mean, he's got a, a wonderful story about uh, all the benefits that his team has had. I'll give you another one. There is a uh, another shop owner that I've worked with, and uh, he's on the diesel side. But this is an idea that's so compelling that I want to share it because it's amazing. What he does is he went through a situation and he just realized that his life was out of control in terms of how much time he was spending working. So he put together a concept called the life calibration. And what it is, is it takes a look and gets a baseline of all the different areas of your life. And he put it together as a life management tool for himself. Now he's rolling it out. I'm actually working with him on this because it's like, you know, it's like the old, you know, Victor Kayam of, uh, you know, the Remington Micro Screen Razor. I I love the Razor so much I bought the company. Well, I loved his idea so much that I, you know, he's invited me to come in and help him with this. But what he's doing is he's going through this process with his employees. His employees, he's going through the process. He's sitting down, he's getting a baseline in different areas of their life. And by doing that, He is allowing them to start looking at, where do I want to go? And he's making their lives work better inside and outside the shop. So he's looking at, hey, where do you want to go with your money? Where do you want to go with uh, personally? What do you want to accomplish in your life? What do you want to accomplish professionally? And he sits down and goes through this process. And one of his technicians said to him, you know what? This is why I stay. You took me through this process. You got me clear on what I want to do with my life. And I took this home and I went through this process with my wife. And we are closer together than we've ever been. And this is amazing. And he says, I will never leave because you took an interest in me and you looked at my life outside of the shop and you really, you really care about having, you know, having this whole thing work for me. That's how you get a really powerful brand.
0: Chris, is social media a recruitment tool? I believe so. I got to tell
1: you that Fortune 500 companies figured this out a while ago, you know, probably 10 years ago, they figured it out. Particularly for uh, going after really good, high quality talent. There's something that happens when you are putting your ads out where, you know, everybody's looking because generally, not all the time, but generally what happens is the people that are out looking and they're trolling the job boards, they're not the greatest catches. If you want to talk about technicians, if somebody is a good technician and they want to work, they're working in order to get it in front of them. You have to have the right message and you have to go to where they hang out. If things are okay, they're not really looking, then they're not going to be on Indeed. You know, they're not going to be on Craigslist looking around. They're not going to be on ZipRecruiter looking around. Where they are is they're on social media. So you can get in front of people that aren't even looking on social media. You can get in front of a higher caliber. It's been my experience. You can get in front of a higher caliber technician. You can get in front of somebody who's not looking. You can get in front of people that know them. And hear them when they complain about where they are. All the time, we have people whose spouse sees one of our ads on Facebook and says, Hey, honey, you need to see this. You know, we have friends that, uh, you know, they're kvetching at the, their son's, you know, baseball games or something. And, and the guy says, Hey, you know, I just saw something that you ought to see. You can really get in front of them and you can target, laser target by being on social media. One more thing that you can do on social media very easily is you can do passive recruiting. And that's another thing that, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, Fortune 500 companies have figured out a while ago, you always need to be recruiting. I mean, if, if you plan on being in this industry, if you plan on owning a business for a while, you always want to be on the lookout for good employees. And social media is a great way to do passive recruiting. And what I mean by that is you just share the story about what you're all about. You share the story about your culture. You share pictures when you you know, you fix up the waiting room uh, for holidays. You show pictures about when people bring their dogs into you know, into the shop or customers bring dogs in the shop. You show pictures about um, when you're having birthday parties and birthday celebrations, or when you're going bowling as a team or going to baseball games or all these types of things. And when you show those enough, it gives everybody that views your page, it gives them a really good idea about how much you care about your employees and what it's like to work for you. So, Social media can do a lot for you in terms of recruiting.
0: You may not think that you're having or providing value for recruitment when you do all these things that you're supposed to do as a good social marketer. And what I'm hearing you say, and I think my listeners hearing you say, you got to do it because you never know that six degrees of separation where it's going to connect and click. Exactly. Exactly. And the
1: other thing about this is, they check you out. This is one of the things that I first figured out. I mean, I had to do a lot of research. I, when I gave that initial presentation for those shop owners, I didn't know anything about the industry. I didn't know anything about the aftermarket industry, the automotive industry, none of that. So I had to do a lot of homework and do, be a real quick study. And one of the things I figured out is I interviewed a bunch of technicians. I subsequently became part of a 20 group for automotive repair shops, and I interviewed their top techs. So a few of their top techs, and I asked them a bunch of questions. And one of the things I figured out is that when they see an ad, the first thing they do is they Google the shop. You need to figure out what's happening there. They're going to look at your Facebook page. They're going to look at your reviews, your Yelp reviews, your Google reviews, your Facebook reviews. They're going to look at all of that. What are they going to see when they look at that, when they Google you? So it's very important to be in control of that narrative. You know, they say that in PR and marketing, you want to be able to control the narrative that's going on about your shop. And I always tell, you know, every shop, you should be going in, opening up an incognito window or a private window and Googling your shop every week. You should also be Googling auto repair shops in your city. Find out what's going on out there. Find out who your top competitors are online. I mean, you know who your top competitors are. But what does your customers see when they're Googling you? What do they see when you're Googling your industry? And those are very important things to take into consideration.
0: I'm fascinated about your beginning story that you presented to 10 shop owners. And then I had to figure out what this automotive aftermarket thing was. So what were you doing before that?
1: Well, I've had a social media company since 2012. Social media, I know that back and fo- backward and forward. I mean, that wasn't an issue, and that's what I was asked to come in and speak about. I felt very confident coming in and speaking about, you know, how do you get clients online? How do you do reputation management? You know, how do you respond to reviews? You know, how do you run Facebook ads, Google ads, all these types of things? You know, that stuff is, was no big deal. Like Claude Hopkins, you know, it, you know, from the earlier story about Schlitz, I wanted to figure out what is it that makes the entire market tick you know, what's important to a shop owner? What's important to a technician? What's important to someone who is, you know, bringing their car to get repaired? All these things are really important to me because you can't write effective copy unless you really know all these things. I just did homework. And the best way to do homework is, you know, to just ask the questions and to talk to the people and to
0: find out what the pain points are. What's your fears? What's
1: your frustration?
0: So as part of what you do for your clients, do you help them become better interviewers? That's a big part of it.
1: One of the things that uh, I think is the most important is it's being able to sell the dream. When you get someone on the phone, you get a technician on the phone, you know, bless these folks. But I, I've talked to some people who just can't sell the dream, you know, and, and it's like, is there anyone else that you could get to answer the phone? <laughs> is there anyone else that you could get on that first interview? Because Selling the dream is so important. And we talk a lot about that. Selling your dream or selling the dream? Selling the dream. I'm a big, big fan of Donna Miller's work and uh, StoryBrand. What he says is that you want to always be, I mean, this is an exercise in marketing, right? So you're marketing your shop. That's what you're doing. When you are marketing, what you want to do for your customer, and that your customer is going to be the technician, is you want to invite them into a story where they are the hero. And when you invite them into the story where they are the hero, you stop talking about yourself. You start talking about what the opportunity is. So they are the hero. You're the guide. They're Luke Skywalker. You're Yoda, you know, or Obi-Wan Kenobi. When you do that, what ends up happening is it changes the entire dynamic. It changes the voice of your ad. So now your, your ad isn't about me, 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 me. You know, the best me, me, me ads that you're, you can find out there are for dealers. If you go on Indeed and you look at an ad for a technician on a dealer, read it. It's just us, 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 us. You know, we did this, we did this, we did this. Oh, yeah, it's great. Come be a part of this because this is, you know, awesome and all this. And that's not what is compelling. What's compelling is inviting them into a story where they're the hero and loading it with benefits. How their life is going to transform by coming and working with you.
0: I love the uh you have been dropping stuff from the uh, story brand book from Donald Miller uh, because I've read it. I loved the book. It's up on my books page in case anyone who wants to go there and get it. I couldn't put that book down. I never highlighted a more important book and I loved the, the whole thing about being a hero. Hire Chris or not. And, you know, we're not doing this podcast to hire Chris, but to, steal the genius from his brain and maybe put it into yours, but Donald Miller's Building a Story Brand uh, will rock your socks and get you in the frame, mind frame, to do the things that Chris is telling you. This part one was great. I know we want to do another one. We want to talk about some advancing strategies of uh, finding good texts uh, on both Indeed and in Facebook. Any final words for this part one, Chris? Just a real quick one. Building a story
1: brand is a fantastic book by uh, Donald Miller. Another fantastic book is uh, business made simple. And in business made simple, there is a, an exercise that's um, building your guiding principles document. And that exercise will walk you through every step that you need in granular detail about how to build your mission, your vision, key characteristics of employees that you need to have. It will get you really dialed into your company culture. And if you just walk through those steps, it'll get you very close to where you need to be.
0: Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate that. We'll put that book up on the books page too. Business made simple. Chris Lawson, technicianfind.com. Thanks for being here for part one. And in a few weeks, listen for part two. This is going to be great. Appreciate it.
1: Hey, it's been my pleasure, Carm.
0: Thanks. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast, Until next time...